Mikhail was on the verge of waking up from the deep, coma-like trance when he felt Tolman's hand on his arm. He could tell it was Tolman, but tried to prolong his sleep a few minutes more. There was still that dizziness dragging him down, under. On occasion he felt so deeply affected that he would stay disoriented for hours after the return. But this time was different. He felt unclean. He felt as if he had broken a law, a commandment. He knew he could not return back to his land. It was forever away. And he could never see Tatiana again. He had told her certain things. Now she knew. And Sokolov would know. But Sokolov would want to silence him. And he didn't want to die. Far away, across the vastness of an ocean and thousands of miles of land, a younger woman dressed in a white lab coat stood by her telephone with a grim smile on her pale and exhausted face. Deep within her heart she was triumphant, for now she was certain that her man, her property, was finally safe. The little clock on her office desk chimed three times, reminding her of the old St. Mark's Church where she had prayed with her mother while she was still a young girl. It was almost morning, with her left hand buried deep, nervously digging into the pocket of her white coat, and her right on the door handle. Tatiana opened the office door and slowly walked out into the cold, gray corridor. She locked her office and, with her head bowed down in thought, proceeded toward the elevators. One more thing she had to take care of, and then everything would be all right. Maybe she would see him again some day. One had to be an optimist. Moscow, September 1985. An ambush. He stood in the parking lot of a small restaurant and thought that mind is all about chemistry and that soldering and chemistry do not mix. The nearby highway rumbled occasionally, and the chilly, drizzly dawn reeked of unburned diesel fumes. The fresh asphalt smell bonded with the fumes and drizzle. His nose ached from the corrosive mix. Still dark. He turned away from the restaurant and stood sentry-like, smoking, waiting. The instructions hit him again. Colonel Sokolov must die. He rechecked his wristwatch and noticed time had somehow slowed down. Even the second hand was dragging. He shook his head, tried to rewind the already wound mechanism that was his brain. Ten minutes later, the Zill finally arrived. He drew a deep breath to clear his mind and listened to the engine rev for a while longer. When it quieted, he dropped his cigarette butt and picked up the bag at his feet. He slung it over his shoulder, then slid his hand into his coat pocket. Lowering his head, he hid his face behind his coat's large lapel and pretended to bend under the weight of the empty bag. Then he began to rock side to side, as if staving off the cold. Like a hungry wolf stalking a deer, he listened to the Zill's heavy car doors open and slam shut. He listened to the heavy gravel crunch under their feet, to Sokolov's bodyguard, Stefan, cursing the puddles, to Sokolov's muffled, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he sensed them passing behind him, he tore the gun out of his coat pocket, whirled around and fired. Four shots, two and two more, then three, until the magazine and gun are empty. 
The two men fell, thrown sideways, sprawling across the pavement like two slaughtered, blooded animals. A crimson liquid spread out before his eyes. He observed their hands and legs jerk, twitch, fall silent. The heads were mostly gone. He quickly reloaded the gun, and still leaning forward, whirled around, searching for a construction worker or a truck driver, for anyone who could betray him. He'd shoot them, too. There was no one to be seen. He pocketed the Makarov, and, as if released from a otherworldly power hold, he finally ran. He stumbled and slid across the wet gravel toward the Moscovich. He finally reached the car and opened its door. He collapsed into the driver's seat, muttering, I'm free, I'm free, words that would only make sense to him and a certain woman doctor, no one else.